sports stadiums and large public venues come in all shapes and sizes. Some have domes, some have natural grass fields, some have banked concrete ovals where cars drive fast. While no two stadiums may be perfectly alike, there's one thing that all stadiums today have in common, a reliance on technology. This is the Stadium Tech Report podcast, where we talk to people on both ends of the stadium technology equation, including the stadium technology teams who deploy it and use it, and the vendors and service providers who supply it. I'm Paul Kapuska, editor of the Stadium Tech Report and your host on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matzing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matzing at matzing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. JMA is a leading provider of distributed antenna systems in hundreds of stadiums worldwide, delivering the best performance, highest reliability, and lowest total cost of ownership. Our platform ensures that you're 5G ready when it comes time to add a private wireless 5G network to your existing venue infrastructure without a rip and replace, providing a foundation of wireless connectivity to improve the fan experience while reducing operating costs for stadium owners and broadcasters. Visit jmawireless.com app to explore more. What does the future of the stadium fan experience look like? Listen in as we talk to Christian Lau, Chief Technology Officer for Major League Soccer's Los Angeles Football Club, about his views for the next generation of the event day experience. In our talk, you'll hear how his team at BMO Stadium has been pushing the envelope on technology deployments in order to find out what works and what doesn't. Next on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Christian Lau. Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I'm I'm pretty excited actually to talk about this topic because I know you and I have, you know, we've had several conversations in different places about fan experience, but I don't think I've ever fully gotten, you know, uh, had a chance to sit down with you like we do now and and just sort of hear, you know, your your sort of whole outlook on what the real future is. And I think what I'd like to start with maybe is backtrack a little bit and say, you know, maybe if you could just real simply or, or clearly, you know, what's what are what are some of the things that are kind of wrong with the fan experience today? What is what are some of the pain points that still haven't gone away? I think you know everything is a bed of roses, man. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know there, there's a few things that need to be worked out, and it really just it all comes down to queuing you know the long lines that you see whether you're trying to come into a venue if you're trying to buy food or beverages or, or even merchandise like those are always a struggle and then when you you think about you know los angeles football club for example um you know we're obviously trying to solve for all of that i think from a retail perspective uh you know, merchandise, I, I think we've got things dialed in, but then you bring in a concert to BMO Stadium because, you know, we, we do a lot of concerts as well. And then you're kind of beholden to that operation. You're beholden to the the promoter and then, the, you know, the, the, the touring people. And then the lines just become chaotic again. And so I think if we can have a consistent model that allows for, the you know, the 
right technology to, to kind of backfill those challenging, you know, areas of operation is, is kind of the, the key focal point for us anyway. And then the idea around efficiency has always been a, a key factor in what we've been doing. And, you know, we, we, we still have some traditional elements in, uh, in BMO Stadium. Primarily, one example would be uh, we still use magnetometers, right? We still mm. check bags, and, and it's it's a little bit behind the times, but we've just been waiting to to figure out what the best covert threat platform is going to be. And there's some players out there. We're going to actually do a, a pilot in October huh. with one um, undisclosed at the moment, but just to understand operationally how that looks, how it affects the the guest, how it affects our operations team. And just kind of go from there. So we're just, you know, we iterate a lot. There's a lot of things that we've tested, um, things we've deployed, things we've pulled back from, that kind of stuff. Maybe we could simply touch on some of the right things right now uh, and then sort of dive into uh, some of the specifics of this. But, the, you know, there are some things going in a positive direction, correct? I mean, I know you guys have really been uh, pushing the envelope or pushing the edge on uh, innovation out there. Uh, you know, we, we try. I will say, uh, there's way more positives than negatives for sure. You know, going back to opening our building in, in uh, 2018, uh, which seems ages ago now, uh, you know, our whole focus was a digital experience. And so we've, we've kind of kept that going. We, you know, adopted NFC tickets at a very early stage. I, I don't think the industry was ready for it. A lot of venues still had paper and a legacy. We had zero legacy. And so our customers didn't care paper or digital so that's just what we did we, we knew that was where the market was going you know that's performed well so that you know the nfc piece of that is a huge part of our scans now you know 70 plus probably in the 80 percentile now so we're getting away from qr codes which always you know people struggle with, with scanning the right direction as the phone brightness an issue those types of things um and so that's been helpful and then contactless payment you know apple pay has been a huge Factor in our business, you know, 77%-ish transactions, I want to say, mm -hmm. uh, for F&B, which has been great. And that just comes down to, you know, faster lines and people getting what they want and then walking away. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're also focused on biometrics, so the, the face identification ticketing stuff that we were working on back in 2019-2020 uh, is coming back now, you know, post-pandemic that was just, you know, trying to get our our operation, you know, back into into a groove, and we finally did, and then our partners were able to finally lean in again and, and focus on on that tech. So we'll be doing a a pilot in October as well on face identity ticketing, and then we hope to build that out to a complete customer journey around face identity. So you know, you can use it for age verification. You can buy stuff with your face, and really not have to pull out, you know. A traditional wallet or your phone, um, and that really just comes down to to efficiency, man. Just being able to, to kind of walk through the wall in a way, and uh, and you know move on with with your experience. Well, that that sounds to me like the start of a you know sort of like a mission statement for what the future of the fan experience is. I mean, I think we all know kind of what it's not now, but you know, you seem to have some some pretty clear ideas about you know what you see as sort of a a really good overall fan experience that may not be quite there yet. Yeah, I think the technology's there 
and we've been working with partners for, for quite a bit of time to, to make sure it's where it needs to be. But frankly, I don't know that from a consumer perspective, I don't know that they're ready yet. But with all things, you have to start somewhere. And so we think that by starting to to reintroduce the idea, and we won't call it biometrics because it just isn't helpful to people. But, you know, you think about face identity, having the ability to come into the building with your face, to buy things, those types of things. It really just comes down to convenience, really. And so I think when you start to see, so if I put my consumer hat on and I see people walking into a building without having to stop, or show a bag or do anything like you literally just walk in like you're walking into a retail store. I want that. <laughs> I don't want to have to pull out my driver license to show my age. I don't want to have to do, you know, those types of interactions with people. And so having the ability to not do that, I think will be compelling to the, the masses at some point. And I, I think that's what we're banking on. And again, you know, for, for us, this whole play is it's all opt-in. Right, we're not forcing anybody to do this. You'll still have your traditional methods to get in the building. You can use your your phone. I haven't used a credit card forever today because I use my Apple Watch for everything. But some people like to use credit cards, so sure, use that. We don't take cash. Coming up, while stadiums have been busy introducing new game day technologies, are fans really ready for all the change? More from Christian Lau after the break. JMA is a leading provider of distributed antenna systems in hundreds of stadiums worldwide, delivering the best performance, highest reliability, and lowest total cost of ownership. Our platform ensures that you're 5G ready when it comes time to add a private wireless 5G network to your existing venue infrastructure without a rip and replace, providing a foundation of wireless connectivity to improve the fan experience while reducing operating costs for stadium owners and broadcasters. Visit jmawireless.com app to explore more. One of the small things you said there, and you were starting to, I think, talk about a little bit, is are the fans ready for this? Because if there's one thing about fan behavior, it's sort of rooted in traditions. And, um, you know, not everybody goes to a lot of games a year. People might go to, you know, one or two or maybe a handful of events. And, you know, I've noticed visiting stadiums because I go and I look at things like new concessions technologies. When people get it and they do it, they really like it, but it's that adoption curve. You see some people look at it and go, I'm not going to bother with it. So is some of this, you know, the future of the fan experience, there's a little bit of work from the fan side here too, correct? Yeah, no, there is. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see it play out, frankly. We have a very young demographic for LAFC specifically. And, you know, obviously we have different lines of business and it's just kind of all over the map. But for LAFC, I'll just throw out average age, 18 to 34 mm-hmm. years old coming into our building. So the idea that they would use their face to to buy a pretzel is, is it's not extraordinary to them, right? You right. Know, we've, we've surveyed fans, we've surveyed our customers to understand, you know, is this even worth pursuing? And they think yes. And, you know, they're also on, TikTok or Instagram all the time, and they really have no concern about privacy or any of those types of things. And by the way, this system is way, it offers the opportunity to be way more private in how you interact with people's data than traditional methods, right? Handing somebody a credit card or your ID, those types of things. And, and so people just need to kind of get over that a little bit. But if you look in the marketplace, this is starting to, to be a thing. Um, 
you know, the government, we all love the government. We trust them so much, but you know, they're really focused on face identity. Now, if you, you know, if you travel, um, you'll see that, you know, the TSA is starting to onboard people with face right now. It's an option. Eventually it won't be. Right. Um, I have seen you, that. Yeah. If you travel globally, you come in over, you know, I have global entry as many do. Um, I just come in with my face now. I don't really interact with anybody. So it's just kind of a, the way it is. Um, but that, you know, that kind of normalizes things for people. Um, and, and we've seen that in the past. You know, there's, there's some things that we've tried in the past that just don't resonate. Um, we thought it would be a big deal and it's not a good example of, you know, trying something that just didn't work, at least for us. Um, and we're still doing it, but it's a struggle is uh, like mobile ordering, for example. Right. We thought that was just going to, you know, take off um, like wildfire and just like half of our business would be mobile ordering. And guess what? It's, you know, it's not. <laughs> I won't give you the percentage, but it's it's not it's not bad, but it's not great. And it has everything to do with with uh, soccer. It's just our run of show. It just mobile ordering just doesn't fit that, that model very well. Mm hmm. Um, for us now, there's other venues in soccer that do okay with mobile ordering, and some will tell you it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I don't know if that's true. In baseball, it makes sense because you have a lot of idle time, and, and it just kind of kind of works in that operational flow. Um, so you know that's an example. And then outside the stadium, you know, we've we've looked at uh, anything blockchain related. We tried to get into fan tokens, those types of things, just to test the waters a little bit. And nobody cared. Hmm. Our customer, our fans do not care about any of those digital artifacts, those types of things. So we kind of backed away from it. And then maybe there'll be a practical, you know, reason for us to pursue those things in the future. But not everything hits, you know. I think it's very interesting that um, you, know, you guys are among, I would say, a small select group that, you know, keeps trying new things and isn't afraid to fail. You know, it's almost like a, a very Silicon Valley attitude. But it also struck me while you were talking, it seems like a lot of this, you go to a conference or something and everybody says, you know, this one thing fits, bring it into your stadium, it'll work. You know, it strikes me that the the fan experience is already different and it's going to be even more different, you know, in the future as, as we move to different sports or even in the same venue you know, for a different event, like you want to attend a soccer game much differently than you would attend a concert. And and now I'm thinking about things like being able to change your seat or go to a club area or go to a, you know, sort of a shared, I don't know, like viewing platform area. Is that also maybe less technology, but more of part of the future fan experience as well? Yeah. You know, we have uh, several clubs at BMO Stadium and, and we've got season ticket members that fill those you know, the opportunity to do a an upgrade potentially where somebody comes in and we give them the option to, to buy a, a seat or seat in a club space that, you know, somebody hasn't shown up to or they, you know, sent their tickets back. That's an ecosystem that's a bit of, it's a bit complex. I know the Orlando Magic did some things around that and hmm. it did it really well. I do think there will be a future where somebody can come in, Paul can walk into BMO Stadium and you bought tickets in one section, and then you're offered the opportunity to to level up and, and move to a, a different, you know, a club space or some type of, of premium experience. Um, you know, the tech exists; it's just the it's the execution, I think, more than than anything. Right, and some of that, I mean, all of these involve 
um, little different technology bits coming together. I had somebody come up with another person who I discussed with, you know, I cover a lot of these things and I'd like to say, you know, how's your concessions? How's your ticketing? How's your entry? But uh, this person said something that, you know, the new technology is cool, but the overall stack right now is unmanageable. Is that also something standing in the way of, you know, a better fan experience, just being able to integrate all this and, and make it manageable on the back end? I'm not really sure what that comment entailed, but, you know, the technology stack that we've got for, for LAFC specifically, and then obviously that, that kind of translates to BMO Stadium at large for other events, that tech stack's fully manageable. We've got everything that we're you, you know, using today in the venue was very intentional. Um, and then we work with our partners where it's applicable to to do an integration to make sure that you know the, the correct systems are talking to each other that we're able to get the the data uh, the analytical you know operational data that we need um, to flow you know in real time so we understand you know what we're looking at at gates what our drop counts are what's happening at concessions and retail um, and if there's a if there's a technology that we're interested in that doesn't align with that plan, that strategy, and the integration is something that we just can't get to, then we just don't do it. Like there's more stuff that we've said no to hmm. um, than we said yes to, just because they wouldn't play in our sandbox the way we wanted them to, and then we'll just move on, man. Because end of the day, like I don't want to bring in a bunch of technology and nobody has any idea how the stuff works together. Right. And you saw yeah. a lot of that during the pandemic at the height of the pandemic, everybody had, you know, crowd intelligence and, and all these other random, you know, uh, gosh, what did they have? Like toilet seat monitoring systems, <laughs> IOT devices that, Correct. you know, checked your paper towel levels, all these things, but nothing ever was integrated. Nothing talked to each other. And the back end was just a disaster. And so we just didn't do any of it. Right. And yep. then, you know, and so that's just, that was our decision not to do it. But obviously, you know, we're informed by our customer. We want to understand what our season ticket members want. And some of the things that might be valuable to some venues just aren't to us. That makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. And, and that does, the, the person who was talking about was talking about similar issues. And I think they were more related around several different concession things that all didn't talk to each other, you know, on the point of sale and, they couldn't figure out inventories and that that kind of thing. So, but yeah, it, it makes sense to have a, a proactive stance. Coming up, how is BMO Stadium using technology to improve concessions operations? More from Christian Lau after the break. This episode is also brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. I would like to drill down a little bit on concessions. What do you like what's happening in the concession space right now? Well, for us specifically, you know, we're, we're working to reimagine concession operations. Um, 
from a, a customer-facing perspective. So what I mean is we're hyper-focused on autonomous retail, you know, self-checkout, just walk out technology. We, we've got a um, our first location we're building with Amazon in December. Uh, we're working with uh, Mastion, a company called Mastion that has this fantastic optical self-checkout solution. I started with two units, and then we realized within 30 minutes that these things were extraordinary, and now I've got 12, <laughs> and we plan to, to, to add more. And so the idea there is to really remove the the cashier from the equation and then have those people build orders on the back end because what you see today for us anyway, and I'm sure I've seen it at other stadiums as well, is you have somebody taking the order and then you've got people trying to build the orders in the back, but there's always this funnel situation and there's just a lot of friction. And so we just want to get things prepared fast. And so we're not going to lose people. We're just going to redeploy them somewhere else because, you know, in this day and age, we can't get the staffing that we need anyway half the time. And so that's always a struggle. So, you know, looking at that. And then the other thing is uh, fully autonomous is, you know, just walk up. Today, we've got these really cool retail cubes. I call it a retail cube. It's really a vending machine. But if you call it that, people get salty that created it because it's a, a full AI immersed retail environment. You walk up, you tap, you know, your Apple Watch, for example. Door opens up, you grab what you want, close the door, you pay for it, it's done. The system cleanses itself with blue light. Like it's just, it's actually really, really cool. So I've got 20 of those in the venue today. And, you know, we sell beverages and snacks and some things that are exclusive to those units. So that's, that's been really good for us. And we actually did a pilot to sell alcohol in them as well, uh, which went, went, went okay. It was good. We called it uh, Buy Beer with Clear. And we did a pilot last year, you know, grounded it for now because we want to work through some operational flow issues with that. And so we'll bring that back at some point in the future. Like I said, there's things that we, we bring to the table, they exist and then they go away. And it's not because we're wanting to just take it away because it was a failure. It was because there, we need to go back to the drawing board on certain things to make it even more efficient. So that's, that's what we do. We're not afraid to shut things down and reimagine and then come back. And and I would imagine your your fan base is also kind of used to this, and maybe maybe it's even part of their experience. It's like, what new cool thing am I going to find at BMO today that I can do that's going to help me increase my satisfaction? I get a jersey, I get the beer I want, I get whatever, but also it gives me more time to be at the game, be with other fans, you know, do the singing and the chanting. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, man. So for us, focusing on you know, like I mentioned, the face identity ticketing thing is because we want to get people in the building faster. We want them to transact faster. We want them to spend money, obviously. Um, we want that experience to not have any friction points to it. And we really just want them in their seats having a good time. We don't want them to have to stand online at a bar for 30 minutes to buy a cocktail. Because that's just not good for anybody and it's terrible for business. Right. And so we need to work through those things. And we've even had, you know, an automated bartending solution in uh, 2022. And it worked pretty well for concerts. And then for LAFC, it didn't really jive the way we thought it was going to. And it was a bit of a struggle. But the text there, at some point, we will revisit that again. But it'll just be in the future. But yeah. Yeah, I was at an NFL game this past week. And I really spent some time looking at 
not just the technology, but the fan behavior of interacting with it. And I came away sort of convinced that improving things is about maybe 25% technology, uh, maybe 50% process, and 25% education. And by process, I mean simple things like turning the orientation of a concession stand to be parallel with the concourse rather than sticking out into the middle of it. And it's just, it, you know, and I just wonder, like, I'm guessing you guys are probably pretty far down this path as well. Oh, all the time, man. Yeah. In fact, I think um, you nailed it. You know, the technology is maybe 10% of the equation, in my opinion. Like, the technology that we're deploying, like, the stuff just works. Like, it's proven. By the time it gets to us, we know it's going to work. Unless it's a platform we're developing with a partner, and then we just, we have no idea what's going to happen. But we have a pretty good idea, and we're taking calculated risks knowing what we think the outcome's going to be. But when you when you start to look operationally at things, for me as a technologist, I'm not even focused on the technology when we're deploying, you know, day of, for example. My main focus is like, why are the cups at this location? Why is the ice at this location? And then why do we have these people standing here when they should be there? And then you start to look at the whole operational flow and it's like, why are the stanchions placed this way? So that's what I focus on because I know my tech's good, but it's right. all the other stuff that people are trying to figure out, think through our concessionaire, that team does a great job. And then, but we all make assumptions and they don't always work out the way we think they are, but it's not the tech. You just have to not be afraid to, you know, to speak up and have a conversation and then list everyone in, in the discussion. Um, but sometimes you just have to, call it what it is, you know, and just figure it out. And you can't, you can't hide like a turtle, you know, on some of this <laughs> stuff, right? Well, this would be great. Um, maybe just to like um, sum up, you know, I, I would like to just circle back with you. Do you feel like you've made good progress over the past, you know, a couple of years now that things are sort of back to full stadiums? I'm sure there was a, a period of transition after the pandemic where nothing was real and nothing was normal and everybody was trying to sort of get back into the groove and now it seems maybe we're there do, do you feel like you've made the kind of progress you want to made or are you frustrated at all or no i i feel like we've made some really good progress you know frankly we we have the fundamentals of the business down from a tech perspective so i'm feeling good about that you know the day-to-day -day things basics um i think we're in a good spot so now that allows us to do like the moonshot stuff like you know the face identity ticketing focusing heavily on autonomous retail, those types of things are some of the things that we're working on down the road. Parking and, you know, other day of operational issues and there's, you know, digital experiences that we're also trying to figure out. But yeah, I, th I think we're in a good spot. I think a lot of venues I've been to this year are in the same boat. I think a lot of venues are, are in a good place, you know. The, the fans, the customers seem to be coming back. Events are, are definitely a lot more crowded than they were, uh, especially concerts that I've been to this, this year have yes. been selling out major acts are doing very well. I, I think we're in a good place. You know, I've been now myself, I've been out more recently. And, and the thing I notice is sort of, there's almost sort of a joy to the fan who experiences new technology and maybe understands like the Mastion uh, terminals you were talking about. I was in Denver watching a game and they're very, you know, they're very into They've got a big deployment of Mastions there. 
And they have a lot of attendance and a lot of attendance there because a lot of people are still first time users. And, you know, it's, it's confusing if you've never seen it before. It's, it's way so much different. But then one fan came up and he, he just waved the attendant off. He's like, I know this. I got this. And it was bam. Things were down. He paid. He was out in 15 seconds. It was, and it was almost like, you know, he was like, yeah, this works. And I did it. And it, it got me to where I want to be. And, uh, do you have those moments? Uh, do they make you feel good when you <laughs> see those yeah. kind of things happen? Yeah, we see that a lot, actually. In fact, it's normal for most of our transactions to run that way. It's extraordinary when somebody comes up and they seem confused. And I think it's because, you know, again, younger demographic, they've been in place for a while now and people are just kind of used to it. And then when you go to, you know, supermarkets, other retail stores here, at least in L.A., a lot of it self-checkout now, right? So people are just used to the concept yeah. of it, which is which is good. But yeah, it's always fun to to see people interact with the technology the way you expected them to. And uh, and it's even better when you survey the fans and you get the feedback that you get when it's positive, right? Well, that's great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Again, always a great conversation with Christian Lyle. And uh, thanks for your time today, Christian. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Take care of yourself, Paul. Will do. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank the sponsors of Stadium Tech Report, whose support enables us to continue our efforts to bring our objective, unbiased, and unpaid for content to the Stadium Technology Marketplace. Our supporters include our co-producing sponsor, AmpThink, our survey sponsor, Verizon, our podcast title sponsors, Matsing and JMA, and our publication sponsors, which include Boingo, Mobility, Comscope, and American Tower. Stadium Tech Report podcast is brought to you by Stadium Tech Report, the go-to publication for stadium technology news, analysis, and commentary. Technical production for the Stadium Tech Report podcast is led by creative director Dan Grimsley and digital designer Jackie Wen. Web and design work is by David Farris and John David. All contents of the Stadium Tech Report podcast are copyright Stadium Tech Report. Audio video and print content may not be reused without the express written consent of Stadium Tech Report.